0: Hey, it's Dan Murphy, and you're listening to the Don't Change Much podcast. Listen, I get it. Parenting can be hard. I have a 10-year-old, and with work and travel, it can be very difficult to strike a proper work-life balance. But it is critical to be there for your kids. Be present and engaged when you're with them. It pays off big time in the long run. Don't just take it from me. In this episode, we'll chat with Dr. David Cool whose work focuses on the health, integrity, and well-being of men for the benefit of families and communities. We'll ask why fathers as role models can pay dividends for a child now and throughout life. Former NHL star Trevor Linden will also join the conversation about the challenges of being a father, a relatively new father, and how he incorporates daily physical activity with his son to set them both up for success physically and mentally
1: manage your stress not the other way around for simple ways to improve your mental health check out the free mindfit toolkit from the canadian men's health foundation complete a self-assessment access virtual counseling and learn more about how anxiety stress or depression might be impacting your health go to menshealthfoundation.ca and access the mindfit toolkit to start improving your mental wellness today
0: Well, it's just uh, great to have Dr. David Cool and Trevor Linden back on the podcast. Uh, both have been on before, although not together. And I look forward to delving into topics about uh, fatherhood, about physical activity, and the impact on mental health. And we don't have a lot of time, so uh, let's get right to it, fellows. I think most people do a good job of celebrating Mother's Day, and for good reason. I know that without my wife the efficiency of running the house activities and such would would grind to a halt so we need to keep doing that but i think we need to celebrate fathers day as well and dr cool i'll call you david from now on because we now know about the impact and the long you know lasting impact about a good relationship between fathers and sons and fathers and daughters
2: absolutely i think uh, as you say it merits a lot of cel- celebration because the relationship between a father and a child affects their emotional and social development, cognitive and language development. It protects them from risky behaviors and situations and success in school. It's far ranging in terms of the role fathers will have, not just in their childhood, but will also be of value and benefit to children as they become adults.
0: We spoke uh, last time about our relationships with with our fathers. And and I, I don't mind saying that I, I had, had a great one growing up. I do to this day. He's almost 90. You probably back then, you didn't know what you didn't know. He traveled a lot for work. And maybe the fact that I travel a lot for work now makes me think that it wasn't that unusual and I wasn't left longing back then. But I'll ask you, Trevor, Yeah, you know, I've met your dad a number of times. Elaine. what was it like
1: for you growing up and your relationship with your dad? Yeah, I think, Murph, you, you said it well. I mean, you just know what you know. You don't know any different. And, you know, it, it's interesting when I, when I reflect back on that time. And it's interesting because we celebrate, celebrated my dad's 80th birthday, February 1st. And, you know, it was a really cool time for reflection. And, you know, I asked him, we were having, actually, my, my, my nephew did a podcast with him and asked a bunch of questions. And I asked, wanted him to ask a question. I said, I said, you know, Dad, take yourself back to 1972. You've just had your third child. You've got three kids under the age of five. You are living in a trailer park in medicine at Alberta. You're trying to make ends meet, keep food on the table. Like, you know, where are you? Like, you know, what are you thinking? Like, you know, and so you know, just how hard would that be and the pressure of that? And my dad was, when I look back and he would say this himself, was depressed. He was suffered from depression in those days and grinding, working his tail off and and my mom trying to keep the house together. So yeah, it was an interesting time. I mean, it all turned out well. I mean, my dad, mom ran a successful business, and and but that time, my dad was distant. I think, you know, looking back, you know, and I, I say that I say that having with a complete understanding that he was doing the best with what he had. But it was a it was a challenging time. I think for him personally, struggling with mental health, unable to ask for help unable to even talk about it or even acknowledge it because you know think about that Alberta in the 70s men did not talk about their mental health or how they were feeling or what's going on for them it was basically work and provide and put food on the table and a roof over the kid's head and that was the number one priority.
0: And when did he feel comfortable to talk to you about how he was feeling then or is he even comfortable now talking about it?
1: Yeah I mean he think, you know, I think it was just the way it was. I mean, I don't think at the time he thought much about it. It was interesting just, yeah, just the way it was. And they just dug in. And, you know, it's interesting when I think back in, in my childhood, my mom was a, lived on a farm and their house burned down. So they lived in a grain reef for a, a extended period of time. And, you know, it's interesting that that generation for me was really about just, it was almost survival. You know what I mean? And I remember my mom was, you know, she was a, she was tough. And we, as kids, we weren't allowed to be sad or be mad or, you know, it was like, Hey, we got to plow through this. And that was my mom's coping mechanism for getting through those tough times was just, you know, just keep going, keep working, keep, keep driving forward. And, and those feelings, those emotions as kids, I mean, it was kind of like, Hey, we don't have time for that. We need to keep going here. So, you know, when I look back and understand that dynamic, and then I put myself in my current shoes today as being a father of a five-year-old, I'm really trying to share with Roman and have him talk about how he's feeling and get, because I think I grew up very disconnected from my from myself, you know, and, and then I joined a career, had an amazing career and thankful every day of my life that I was able to realize a dream to be a hockey player. But in hockey, it's You know, you suffer in silence. You don't talk about that stuff. You're injured, you keep playing. You're you're not feeling good, you keep going. You were your mother all over again when you've got your hockey career. Exactly. And went on for years as a hockey player. So so I I grew up in this very disconnected mind-body experience where any feelings or or thoughts or hurts just got shoved into the basement. And it wasn't until later in my life I realized the impact that was having on my relationships and how I needed to get connected again. So it's interesting, just with Roman, my wife and I really work hard at, you know, talking about him and how he's feeling and those big feelings he's having and acknowledging them and having him talk about them is it's kinda cool for me because it's it's new for me as an adult and I, I don't want to repeat the same mistakes that you know that quite honestly came naturally to my parents. David, this story is obviously not unique to Trevor.
0: I'm guessing fifty years ago it was like this for a lot of men. Do you think? We've progressed a long ways over 50 years. Are we halfway there? <laughs> how much further do we have to go?
2: First of all, Trevor thanks for that story and and I think you're making a big impact on on your son. I think we're starting. I don't think I, I think we do have a long way to go and and because of the work I do I, I, I work with first responders and I've done some work with athletes and and it is we men pay the price. Because we know that men die five years younger from the top causes of death, different from women. And part of that is their resistance to ask for help, their strong need for independence and their separation from the emotional experience, from the uh, expression of that emotion. And so that really, if we can begin to invite our sons and our daughters, but mostly our, our sons, women are often more relationship oriented than men, and that if we can cultivate the way we cultivate relationships, but include the expression of emotion, it will actually end in lower morbidity and, and changes in mortality. The reason we got involved with firefighters is the stoicism kept them from asking for help and and a number of them had taken their own lives. I mean, this is a really serious topic and it's a really a valuable one to recognize that our fathers were grew up in an era where it just wasn't done. It was normal. And we assume we default to normal and we assume that the, the way we grew up is the way everybody grew up. So the fact, Trevor, that you're pausing to say, I wanna do this differently is really important. And to ask the question, what impact did that have on me? And yeah. my home was similar in, t- in terms of my, my father had severe depression for most of his life. And, and so that there was an emotional inaccessibility to me, his son and his other kids. So the question is, what impact did that have on me? Not only just on me, but then on how I raised my two daughters and can I can I begin to be more integrated it means I'll be a healthier person a healthier man and so that's the challenge and the invitation to all men is to be to explore how do we reconnect there's a saying that says the longest journey we take is from our minds to our hearts and our hearts to our minds it is a long journey
0: Trevor do you think it helped you that you know probably myself as well that we had our kids a little bit later in life
1: you know murph that is uh, a <laughs> I can't imagine myself as a parent at thirty. I mean, I, I was when Roman was born, I was forty-seven, I guess forty-eight. There's some downsides to it, but not many. But yeah, I was so unaware and just so locked into habits and and just uh, this track that was really formed by my childhood. And it was just you know the shoulds. I should be this. I should do that. This is the way it needs to be done. And boy, I'll tell you, I mean. Being an older parent and just understanding some of the ways in which I don't want to repeat those same habits and those same unmet needs that I had for my son, and it's um uh, I've had some really interesting conversations with some friends in the last couple months actually that have suffered from some mental health and just having me open up to my struggles and sharing my journey and story, it's really been a cool experience to have that connection. And it's not what guys do. Guys talk about the football game last night. They talk about the bike ride they're going on, where they're hiking. I mean, they don't talk about that stuff, but it's, it's so important. It's such a connecting point. And, um, and I just, I just want my son to be just really connected to what he's feeling every day. I swear to God, growing up in Medicine Hat in the seventies, there was no such thing as stress. There's no such thing as anxiety. You don't have, you know, those things like just just work, you know, and um I, I I don't want that for my son. I want him to be feeling knowing what's going on inside him so that he can talk about it and and understand it and not just, you know, shove it to the basement. So yeah, I mean I, I am so thankful that I'm exploring myself and understanding my mind body connection. You know, I'm fifty just turned fifty three. I have a five-year-old and I'm excited about, you know, not doing the same types of things to him that, you know, I learned as a kid.
0: David, I mean, it might seem like common sense, but being a good role model to your child, I mean, you know, be present, be emotionally available, have good communication. These are the kind of things that, that are, they kind of seem like common sense, but they're not always easy because you've got jobs and you've got work and you've got duties so when you're dealing with all these other stresses and perhaps you don't have as much time as you would like um, to build this relationship what's the best place to start where is the best place to start to really try to cultivate that relationship uh, with your child
2: Uh, first of all i think it has to do with asking the question that trevor has asked himself in terms of how could I be connected? And then to say, now, how can I make sure that my child knows that they're my highest priority or one of my highest priorities? And that even if the time isn't as much as I would hope it to be, when when I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm all in. I'm all in. And that we demonstrate what does that mean so that I'm curious about their lives. I'm curious about what they're doing, wanting to understand their responses to life, to the relationships they're in. And you know there's a whole sense that if you get them talking about the little things when they're little they'll be talking about the little things when they're older because every time from their point of view all the little things are actually big things. And so that if you can start that early and make that a priority so that the time that you're with them you're you're talking with them about them and about who they really are and I think also then for appreciating their honesty and their vulnerability and and acknowledging that it might be difficult for them to talk about things, but you always want to hear what they have to say and that you're going to work hard to listen. And that it's one of the things I had to learn is my daughters are now in their 30s. And what I had to learn is to listen rather than, and listen to understand, not to listen to fix or repair, because that's what dads do. And I'm, you know, I'm my dad. But uh, as they got older, one of them said to me one day, you know, dad, I don't need you to fix me. I just need you to listen to me. And I want you to understand me. And in my job, I know that the basic human need is to be seen, heard and understood. It's like eating and drinking, but in our, in our kids, sometimes we, we lose sight of that. So the starting point is really to listen to who they are and watch their language, their body language is their facial expression and their tone consistent with the things that they're talking about. And the other thing, I guess I would say, and be aware of change. Is there something changing in their behavior? Because that's the, the that could be a, a manifestation of something that's changing inside of them, and then to be curious about that too, and just just show sincere interest and in, and in, in be there as much as you can be, especially for jobs that are demanding and take you away from home.
0: Obviously, like when you're having one-on-one time with your child, you're having these conversations. Trevor talked about you know big emotions and these type of things when you have younger kids. You know they're they're you know, fairly common. I'll have those conversations with my daughter. But is it safe to say that, that our kids are watching and listening to us all the time so you can set yourself up being a role model even when you're not having these conversations with just the leading by example and problem solving and this type of thing?
2: Exactly. And nonverbal communication is louder than verbal communication. So our actions speak louder than words. And our kids are very aware of that. My daughters were actually at our home yesterday and we, we talked about this this, this podcast and they say that we remember the Christmas that, that your your mom died and it wasn't it was about ten years ago and they said, you know, Christmas was just incredibly awkward and we could tell that you were trying to be tough and make Christmas a happy time and it should be, it's Christmas and even though grandma's died and so they said and then finally you just started crying because it was so hard for you to live your first Christmas without your mom. And they said, After that, Christmas got real. Right. Yeah. <laughs> after that we could actually say that this isn't the happiest Christmas, but it was a meaningful Christmas. And for them, I didn't actually know this until yesterday when we talked about it and said the impact on us was that you were actually authentic. We knew there was something blocking you from being the usual happy Christmas person. And we sensed what it might be, but until you got honest with yourself and expressed the emotion, then we could all start caring and recognize this was your mom And, and let's deal with it. So they're always watching us, even when they're in their 30s. Yeah, uh-huh.
0: yeah, no question. Now, I guess one of the, the most basic ways we can connect with our kids is to be active, is to, as we've in the month of June, move for your mental health and not just mental, but physical health. And Trevor, I think you've talked about just the importance of doing physical activity with Roman and making sure you carve out enough time every day for that type of thing.
1: Yeah, and it's been this has been an interesting journey for me because I think you you always think of your child as being you, and so when I was his age, I thought about two things: playing baseball in the summer and hockey in the winter. That was five years old. I had a one track mind, and Roman is interesting because he doesn't think that way. It's not like he loves to play; he loves to build things. But he is right now. It may change, but he's not really sports oriented. So. If You know, and I think that's really interesting and I'm fine with that. I kind of had to shift my, my mind a little bit in that he may not be, he may not do those sorts of things. And I, and I have to, and I, I think the challenge is to find his passion, whatever that is. I mean, he loves to, he loves to ski and we love to mountain bike together and, you know, we go to the pump track and he's so, I mean, I just try to foster those types of things. And I think, now that he's five, it's been really cool because it's not childcare anymore. It's more, hey, let's go do something. So, you know, if it's go to the park or, or, you know, if we go mountain bike in the endowment lands. And, and of course, there's lots of stops for snacks and there's lots of stops to grab sticks and make things and look at things. And it's just super cool. I just, for me, when I can be, as you said earlier, Murph, just 100% present in that space with him. And take, you know, you know, where I call it mountain biking, riding through the endowment lands, and he loves it. And just to be in that moment of just seeing things through his eyes is really quite cathartic for me. And it's, you talk about, it doesn't have to be, you know, doing the grouse grind or doing something crazy from a physical activity standpoint it's about riding with your son through the endowment lands and looking at the colors and looking at the, and talk and being engaged with him, what he thinks cool and the stumps and why did this tree fall down? And that for me is, you know, connecting, you know, your mental health with your physical side of things and just enjoying nature and being connected is so important. So I was never a a camper as a kid. We didn't do that sort of thing, but one of my things is I want to, I love to camp now. And, and so we're gonna go on a fishing trip near Kamloops in June and with his little buddy and his parents and and so but just gonna bring the tent and we have a cabin too but we'll set up the tent and I just want him to explore those types of things and for me that's that's exciting and and uh and so back to my you know with roman it's about finding whatever his passion is I'm not sure what that is but I'm excited to go down the journey and see where that leads us and it could be a path that I have no idea what that is or what that looks like because my path was pretty straightforward. I had two brothers and all we thought about was baseball
2: and hockey. So that was, you know, it was pretty easy. Therein lies the value in terms of helping your child discover the, the, their passion. I think, Trevor, you're right, right on the mark, is that that we allow them to discover their passion and then discover them in their passion because they will, they, they will likely be very different than... They, we at least have to give them the option of being different from us. And for, for us, it was, we tried soccer and field hockey and swimming. Both of my daughters are really into dance, like competitive. And it was totally foreign to me. And, and I used to say to them, I think I'm the only dad with bobby pins and nets and a hairbrush in my car. And I'd say, don't you dare take that brush out of here. You can brush your hair in here, but not in it. Because I know that the next time I'd be with my next kid, And the hairbrush would be gone and she'd be mad at me and I learned to braid braids with long hair so they would fit the ballet requirements. That is totally out of my comfort zone, but it was worth it. And the excitement of them moving through ballet and jazz and contemporary, it was all completely foreign to me. And it is again something they mentioned yesterday. You allowed us to discover our passions, and then you came to know us for who we were in the context of those passions. And Trevor, that's what I hear you saying. He may end up in hockey or baseball, and he may not. Yeah, right. I think it's the journey is really figuring out what what makes him excited,
1: you know. And I, I don't know what that is, but we're going to keep going and exploring things and figuring
2: it out. And ironically, it will also give you opportunity in terms of your yourself to see the the world through the lens of a curious five-year-old who is whose father is very present. So when you you didn't have that with your dad for reasons that are easy to understand, but it will also have then a, a very positive impact on your own sense of self.
1: Yeah. And I think David, one of the interesting things with this too is that, you know, when Roman was two, three, I, you know, and I and I I was very clear. I mean this. Like I I I did not ex I did not actually want him to be a hockey player. Like, you know, I, I actually prefer not actually. I didn't need that. But I did really want him to, I love baseball and I, I, but, and part of my challenge is to not have him know that I'm disappointed. You know what I mean? That that I don't want him to feel that he's let me down or anything that if he doesn't want to play baseball, you know what I mean? Or doesn't want to play t-ball next year or baseball. So, and I, Christine and I were talking about this, my wife, and it was just kind of like, like, that's so important. I don't want him to feel that he's let me down if he doesn't want to play baseball, and I'm going to have to
2: reconcile that, you know. And and that's that's a pivotal awareness for you in terms of. I mean, this is this is the work I do in terms of fathers and their children. So the <laughs> the whole notion of disappointment is actually a stronger. A, a child will respond more strongly to the disappointment of a parent than to sc- anger. So that that is and with the the other part of the disappointment often comes shame. And shame is sense of there's something inherently wrong with myself. And that really can have a very long-term effect on children. And it paralyzes people once they start feeling the shame because they've internalized it. Rather than saying there's something wrong with what I did, there's something wrong with me. So yes. your awareness is just, uh, Roman is one lucky guy. I tell you, in terms of, of, uh, apart from all the things that we know about, Trevor, but the things that you've just talked about today, in terms of your awareness and helping him discover himself without expressing your disappointment, because that, that's not easily done. Because like, and I, you know, I, I grew up
1: very, I love sports and I've all loved sports my whole life. I love sports today and I have to, you know, and I'm, I, I have to realize that he may not. That's right. That's he's right. a super cool kid, he's thoughtful, he's interested, he has a ton of questions, he loves he loves doing things, but he may not be sport oriented, and that's um I'm aware of it and I need to make sure that I am not disappointed by that, you know, or it's right the deal with that. Yeah. Yeah, that's
2: right. And it, it won't go away overnight,
0: unfortunately. <laughs> <course> <laughs> but and David, so like but Trevor's son is five, my daughter's ten. So there's still the stage where they like hanging out with the dad, right? It's still <laughs> I pick her up from school. She still wants to hold my hand. You know, if I, we're at a hotel, I'm going to the gym. She wants to go to the gym, right? She, this kind of stuff. But, you know, it might not be that way in two, three, four years. How do you make sure you can keep your kids engaged at different ages, I guess, as, you know, five years from now it might be totally different for me.
1: It, Murph, that, I guarantee you that's not going to be the case. She's not going to want to hang out with you at four
2: years.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I, know I, I, I know that. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But she will still want to know that you're there. Because yeah. this, and this is going to sound a bit academic. The investment of a father has a stronger effect on a daughter than their peer pressure. And my guess is that's true for sons as well. But studies that have focused on it actually say that the father's investment in the daughter is stronger than the peer pressure will be. So that that's what's important is to do with your daughter what Trevor's doing. Help her continue to discover who she is and. And we actually chuckled about this last night as we were talking because they said, well, adolescence wasn't easy, was it? I said, well, no, you could be walking down the hall, the happiest kid and turn around and you'd be angry and grumpy and and all of that. And then further to physical activity, we were always assured that if at the end of the school day, the art day, because they did dance every evening, once they came back out of dance because they'd been worked hard, they worked up a sweat, they were pushed to the limit, they'd be happy. So the, the physicality of their dance helped them process their emotion. And so that to just stay in stride with them and say, yeah, I'm going to, I thought I might be going to every soccer game, but guess what? I'm going to go to every dance. Yeah, I'm going to yeah. be there. I'll be in the front row. I'll applaud you. I'm going to understand musicals as much as I can and, and dances. So that they would say now that you, we always knew you were there. We, we knew that you were the, the dad that would pick us up. We knew that you would, you, you had told us that if they were ever in trouble, we'll pick you up without question. But if you're in trouble, let us know. We'll get there as fast as we can. And you don't have to explain it. But we need to get you out of a situation. And they've both done that for us. They've called us at late at night when they needed help. So really, uh, I, I think that if that we give them is one of the features of resilience is to know that somebody absolutely has your back, regardless of what you've done or the circumstances they're in. I want to be that guy for my daughters, even now, right? So that that if they're in trouble of any sort, when they're 17 27 or now in their early 30s. If you ever meet somebody you'll rely on, you know it's me. And if if there's something come between us, let's talk it through so that you know that I will always be there for you. So it's it's being curious, being aware of what they do, and being available for them when the changes. Now I'm going to be available when they're free because they get totally preoccupied by their peers, and their as as normal in high school, but still for they be there and and be available. Be, be available for them. Or if you
1: just said something that just, you know, you pick your daughter from school and she still wants to hold your hand. And that is, I'm in that phase with Roman. He's five. And I just realize how precious this time is, you know, because, you know, like when they become 12, 13, 14, it changes. I am just loving every minute of this right now, because I know it's before, you know, it, it'll be in the rearview mirror and In the yeah behind us, so and you
2: know that the other thing that we know is that boys, in terms of emotional expression, until they're eleven, they're 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 often very able to express their emotion, and they are as relationship oriented as girls are. It changes sort of from eleven to thirteen, so there will be the challenge where the emotional expression isn't seen as manly anymore. So that if, if you can still foster an environment where he can do that in you, with, with you around, even if you can't do that in front of his peers, therein lies the challenge is when the separation from the child and in, and, and the parent and into the public. So that you, right now for both of you, cultivate it for as much as you can. So they, they feel safe with you with those emotions and the expression. Because the challenge starts at sort of at 11 and 12. And so now what do you do with it? Because he might become withdrawn and quiet. And how do you maintain the safety for him to still be honest about what he's really feeling on the inside?
0: David, you talked about your, your daughters at the end of the day when they're done their dance, how they're they're physically exhausted and help them at the end of their day. Um, what are the... Scientific benefits of exercise. I mean, we know the physical benefits—you know, make you stronger, build muscle, cardiovascular. But what about scientifically? What else? What else can it do for your brain, uh, cognitively, brain power?
2: A great question. And you know, the Canadian Society for Exercise Physiology has come up with the Canadian twenty-four-hour movement guidelines. I just checked this before we come because I I use this all the time, and this is true for adults as well as children. Is that for adults, it's 150 minutes a week. So 35 minute sessions approximately to get your, your heart rate up and start working up a sweat. For kids six to eighteen, it might be a little longer than that. And so that it means you'll there'll be less depression in their lives and there'll be less anxiety. So and those are the two more common features of mental health and mental illness are depression and anxiety. The science is that if you if you can just do the physical exercise, it'll prevent. And it will also modify the experience of depression and that it can be a challenge for people who are depressed. It's easy for us to say, we'll just get up and go for a, a walk or a run. And one of our daughters has had experienced depression and I made a, you know, I, I'd say, let's go walk. Let's go for a walk, just even around the block so that the physical exercise, if the depression is there, it will diminish the severity of the depression. If it's a mild to moderate depression, if it's severe depression, that's a different. It will still be a benefit, but that usually requires medication as well. But for the mild to moderate depressions and anxiety, physical exercise can modify it and it can also prevent it in terms of of mental health and mental illness.
0: It's helped you, Trevor, hasn't it? Like not even just with the family, but just yeah, the need to exercise.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I've talked about this, but it it for much of my life, exercise was part of my job, job. and I, I never realized how lucky I was. I mean, I would. I could go to the rink in the morning on a practice day and leave the rink, you know, and feel, have this incredible, great workout, had camaraderie of the guys. We had a good practice, good workout after. And I had that social connection with with my colleagues. I had that that physical endorphin rush that came with the activity. And that was my daily life. And so when that ended in 2008, it was a full realization of how important activity was for my 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 mental health and and you know I, I was oblivious to it really and I and I realized how important that was that I you know each day you know and I've said this I I'm just just such a better human whether it be a husband or a father or a friend or a work colleague when you know I, for me my window was early in the morning I, I like to get if I don't get it done in early in the morning I tend not to get it done so I. And even just on the weekends, you know, that's my time to connect socially. So with our son, whether he's got activities or Christina's got activities, we try to, and I try to fit in something with a buddy, whether it be a bike ride or, or a swim or a run or something or a short hike, but just getting out and getting that activity is, you know, we're social, the social aspect is just as important as the physical aspect. For
2: sure. Yeah,
0: But I think there's a thing we talked about, the kids watching you, like, uh, Our daughter, Marlo, she sees my wife works out every morning, 6.30 in the basement. I go to the gym. So she sees that and she knows that's part of our life. Now, for her though, we have to make sure that the physical activity is fun. Like if you ask her to go for a walk around the block with the dog, she might dig her heels in because she's lazy. But she'll go to the pool four times a week and swim 300 meters. Right. So it's, for us, it's knowing that it's not so much she doesn't like the physical activity for the walk. It just doesn't seem like fun for her. So a lot of times you have to, even if it's just doing something stupid in the backyard, like wrestling with the dogs or chasing the dogs, yeah. if it's yeah. fun for her, she can get her exercise in that way. And it's it's not your standard, you know, sport or walk or a
1: hike. Sometimes it just has to be out and just be a goofball and, and have some fun. Great idea. Yeah. I mean, I know with some, it's interesting with Roman right now. And, and I, I think like you talk about role models, Murph, and you know, I encourage my wife, she was just in Norway. She was in Northern Norway ski touring with some girlfriends and, you know, she came back and, and you know, we talk a lot about that, about mom's trip and what they did and show pictures and Roman, because I think that's like being a role model. And, and, you know, I, he asked me, where were you this morning? Oh, I said, oh, I went to the pool this morning to swim. And and, you know, and whether we're in Whistler, we cross country ski as a family. And of course, it's fun because I've got a thing of gummy bears and we stop and have gummy bears and we go through little hoops and signs. And, you know, and, and, you know, obviously cross country skiing for a five year old is not the most fun, but you try to figure out ways to play games in the activity. And, um, and, and I think just him seeing his parents go do activities, whether it be mountain biking or cycling or, or hiking, or skiing, or cross-country skiing. I mean, you know, I think that we tend to follow the leadership that we have closest to us, and if we can provide that, I think it's it's really it's really important. And then now we're sharing those activities. We're sharing downhill skiing, we're sharing cross-country skiing, we're sharing mountain biking together. So, you know, we're integrating that. You know, this is, these aren't workouts per se, it's fun. And it's just, it's, they're fun activities to do. And, you know, I think as a parent, I've realized I may look at it, you know, riding my bike for four hours is fun. You know, you got to realize as a kid, we mountain bike in the endowment lands. The fun is looking at the trees that have fallen over and the stumps and finding slugs and stopping for lunch. And, you know, that's,
2: it's a different pace, but it's uh, it's pretty cool.
0: Where's the value in that, David, with having family activity?
2: One, family activity is, it's gonna be their norm because they do modify or they do follow by example and you're more likely most likely to raise your children the way you were raised unless you pause and ask questions about it. And the other thing it's it's time together so that you never know when the meaningful question might pop up. And it doesn't always have to have one. It demonstrates to kids that if you there's a sense of belonging here, which is really important for mental health, and that life can be fun. That did, that mom and dad take time off from all their work and responsibilities, and they can be goofy. They can make you know they can make fools of themselves, and we all laugh together. And so it really is socially, physically, mentally, emotionally. It's valuable on all of those at all of those levels. And so that the the kids will have the best possibility of being healthy in all domains. It's it. There's no substitute for that.
0: Well, we're we're going to end with the the question that we've asked before, and and maybe we'll, we'll give it some context, but. What does don't change much, David, mean to you in the context of trying to establish that good father-son or father-daughter relationship and just being a role model, whether you're starting now or you're continuing on your journey as one?
2: The don't change much is the inference, but change. And so what I realized that if I don't change, I won't change. And that I know that in terms of Early in my career, I was more doctor than I was dad, and I had to change to become more dad than doctor, and I'm glad I did. And what that meant is that I changed a little bit. I would spend very specific time with my daughters, and which might include preparing meals, but that meant I had to be home in time to do that and say that this is now going to be more important to me, making this little change, and let's make pizza with faces on it it's 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 like what Trevor is saying having fun while you're riding through the endowment lands and that was the same for us let's now let's start running together through the endowment lands and we did that so there, it was for me that the change had to come in my attitude and my desire to actually translate that attitude into action that, that was the beginning of don't change batches i there I, I need to change perspective and values trevor i think the um the one thing
1: for me has just been the presence piece. I'm either a month down in the future, or I'm lamenting on something that didn't go right in the past, or or whatever. And I think when we're with our kids, with when I'm with Roman, I I try to be completely in the moment, and that means put my phone away, get off the email, get off the text. You know, just just be present right there. And that could be downstairs in the basement, sitting on the floor with trucks and diggers, and we play a game called Emergency. And you know, he's got you know, helicopters and ambulance and, and roads gets closed and, you know, but just being in that moment where there's no distraction, there's no phone, you are in the moment because, you know, with our kids, I mean, you know, he goes to school full days now, he's in kindergarten. So I see him kind of in the morning before he goes to school and then from kind of three o'clock till seven o'clock. And if I can spend an hour of, of presence with him, And not have and just be totally him and I. Those are pretty that's pretty valuable time. So that's my
2: don't change much to put put my phone in my pocket and be there. And I'd like to uh, just comment on that. as I've got I'm I've got, I'm I'm in the middle of a study asking people who had a positive relationship with their fathers what are the essential ingredients of the relationship. And Trevor, the emerging theme without a doubt is presence. It's it, it, the people who have a very meaningful relationship with their father are thankful for their father's undivided attention and being fully present in exactly playing on the floor with them or doing something that's important to them, it is without a doubt the dominant theme that I'm sure will come out of the 80 to interviews that we're seeking to do. Yeah. It, it, it is, it's is—it's an essential ingredient for a meaningful relationship.
0: Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this too, as, as my daughter gets older, I know that you know our relationship will change in the sense that our conversation will change, our priorities will change. She goes in adolescence, it'll be dealing with different things, but I don't ever want to change being fun and having that relationship where she can be as goofy at 10 as she could be at 20. And so I always make, want to make that clear that no matter what, we can have our serious conversations, we can talk about real life matters. But if we can't always have fun, then I I don't think I want to be a father. I always want to make sure we can have a blast together, no matter what the age.
1: Well said, Murph. Well done. And I just, I will say this, like, I mean, for me, I mean, I um I come at this from a, as an older parent, but it is the greatest gift. I tell you, it is the most fun I've had in so long. It was funny when Roman was two, I was having the time of my life and people kept saying, oh, it just gets better. I'm like, well, how can it get better? This is the best. And not to say that there isn't some challenges, but boy, I tell you what, it is, uh, it's just such a gift. And, you know, for dads out there, never forget what a gift it is. And, and his journey's not always perfect, but enjoy it because it goes by way too
2: fast. And it's still fun when they're in their thirties. I bet it is. Yeah. No question.
0: (laughs) Well, uh, thank you both for your openness, your expertise and your conversation. And it wasn't our first and I doubt it will be our last. So guys, thanks for carving out the time
1: today. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks guys. Thanks, David. Thanks Murph.
0: We'd like to thank you so much for listening to today's episode, and we encourage you to visit menshealthfoundation.ca to learn more about Move for Your Mental Health Month. And if you haven't already, please click the follow button for more episodes of the Don't Change Much podcast. Thanks again. My name's Dan Murphy.